If you're a pastor, elder, deacon, nonprofit board member, or business owner, I need you to listen to this. K&K Furnishings needs to be on your shortlist. K&K Furnishings are committed to helping you find the right furnishings for your church or organization. These guys specialize in quality worship seating, welcome centers, cafes, nurseries, classrooms, as well as stage and podium furnishings. The two owners have over 70 years of combined pastoral experience, so not only will every transaction be handled with integrity and professionalism, but they have the experience to provide you with the perfect solutions for your furniture needs, and they absolutely understand your budget constraints and demands. K&K Furnishings are devoted to providing you quality pieces that save you money. They can do this because they don't have the overhead of a brick and mortar store and they have relationships with over 200 manufacturers nationwide. Look, we all know there's a lot of junk out there. K&K understands that many times bargains aren't true money savers. They end up costing you more in the long run. At K&K, they believe that quality furnishings don't have to be outrageously expensive. And here's the best part. K&K Furnishings sells nationally and can also provide in-person consultations in Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. If you can't meet in person, they'd be happy to set up a Zoom consultation for you today. So whatever your next project is, whether it's your home office or your church sanctuary, K&K Furnishings is the only place you need to look. Go to www.kkfurnishings.com to see how they can help you or call 567-318-4520. That's www.kkfurnishings.com or call 567-318-4520 or click on the link in the description of this episode. K&K Furnishings, furnishing business, education, worship, and hospitality for the glory of God. Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, I got to tell you about Jacob's Supply. Jacob's Supply is the place you got to go for all of your material needs. These guys bring you construction supplies and appliances for up to 50% off retail price, all brand new. Your home builder needs some lumber? Jacob's Supply has you covered. You a deacon at your church and you're in charge of that next Narthex floor job? Jacob's Supply has got you. Heck, they got Cortec Luxury Vinyl Plank right now for $3.59 a square foot. Go look that stuff up at Lowe's or Home Depot, man. That stuff is selling for $7 to $8 a square Square foot. That's over 50% off retail. Even if you just have some home projects you're working on, Jacob Supply is the place for you. I just built an outdoor grilling area this spring for that old smoker and grill. Guess where I got the metal roof, lumber, and screws? Yeah, that's right, Jacob Supply. Looking for a fridge, stove, washer, dryer? They got them all, and their name brand. Samsung, Bosch, Frigidaire, all 20, 30, 40% off retail. Brand new and ready for you. Located in Temperance, Michigan, it's worth it to stop by even if you're a few hours away. And remember, Jacob Supply can ship products nationally too. So even if you're out of state, you gotta check them out. Follow them on Facebook at Jacob Supply or call them direct at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978. 0978. Remember, Jacob Supply, quality building materials at wholesale prices. And now, on to the show. Yeah, I'ma try again, ayy, picking up my pen, yeah, digging deep within, uh, writer's block again, but I'm back now, stay true to the Christ with a new sound. What's up, guys? How you doing? John, Jordan. Just waiting for people to jump on here, started a few minutes early. John, if you want to come up and talk too, you're more than welcome to, Jordan, same with you. Hey, Greg. What's up, Jordan? <laughs> I'm going to be uh, actually at the gym right now. I'm going to just be listening in the background. Nice. What you doing at the gym? T. Barlow, uh, what's up, brother? Trying to get unfat. Trying to get unfat. Well, that's good. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to go on mute for a little bit. So T. Barlow just got on Clubhouse, I think, a little bit ago, didn't you? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so just so you guys know, too, uh, full disclosure, this is a recorded room. Uh, so you might show up 
uh, on a uh, podcast episode or a, or a later stream. So um, full disclosure, I'm the host of Dead Men Walking Podcast, one of two. I think Jason's going to jump in the room or Jason might be here now. Yeah. Hey, Jason, how you doing? He's up as a speaker. And it uh, looks like John's down there. John, you can jump up too if you want to talk. John's been on the podcast before. He runs his own uh, podcast called Theocast, which is uh, hey, Greg, unbelievably awesome. What's up, Jason? How's everybody doing out there? Well, I'm doing okay. So uh, I just wanted to explain, since we have a f- few uh, new people in here, what this uh, room is about. So I got on Clubhouse back in early January and was looking for a room to you know just talk about uh, doctrine, theology, uh, Christianity, things like that. Like that. And when I started looking, and to this day when I look, it's just a lot of um, business networking for Christians or kind of the prosperity gospel uh, type stuff. Um, you know, you know, increase your faith, that kind of stuff. And look, we all want to have faith, but uh, I think I can speak for Jason too. We we don't really subscribe to the prosperity gospel uh, for many reasons, and we can talk about that too. So I wanted to start a room that, uh, you know, had like-minded uh, believers in it. Hey, John, what's going on? Hey, guys. I got to, I'd love to say I got to run. I got a bunch of teenagers about to hop in my truck, but I just want to say, hey, happy to see you guys chatting. <laughs> yeah, jump on next week. If you got some time, we'll invite you up and you can uh, help moderate. Sounds good, brother. Talk to you soon. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so I wanted to create a room where, uh, we could just, uh, I don't know, talk about theological doctrinal issues, um, anything that was on someone's mind. And I find that when you have multiple people, uh, being respectful and listening to both sides of a argument, debate, idea, or thought, we can get a lot farther than just, um, you know, cowboy keyboarding someone on Facebook or on social media. So what I was thinking tonight, and this, this room can go anywhere it wants, but anyone who's in here, and if, if you do want to say something, just raise your hand, we'll bring you up. Um, my thoughts was, and we've been focusing on this over the last year a lot, just because of what's going on with COVID, but what is people's thoughts on Romans 13? Um, and I know uh, Jason's going to go, oh gosh, Greg, not again. But uh, I love talking about this because it's... So, so- yeah, that's exactly what I said, dude. it seems to be such a divisive issue right now you have uh people within the church that um, are taking some extreme views on this, whether it's, hey, look at, we have to do whatever the government says as long as it doesn't violate the word of God. And that means mass mandates and social distancing. And heck, some has gone as far as to say, you know, you know, uh, mandatory vaccines because it helps your neighbor and keeps them safe. And that's what Christ commanded to uh, the other side of the spectrum that says, absolutely not. The government has no role to say what the church can and can't do. And uh, Christ is King and he supersedes all. So I was kind of wondering if anyone had any thoughts on that or a, a take on what Romans 13 says and how you interpret it. What do you think, Jason? Should we start with you or are you uh, just listening tonight? Or Jordan, if he's uh, running on a treadmill or T. Barlow, but I think he's uh, <laughs> T. Barlow is yeah, uh, yeah. Got, got kids, I think he said. Well, you want you want me to read uh, the first few verses? Yeah, read you it. You want me to read? Yeah, go Romans read it. Romans 13? Do it. Um, uh, okay, Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, 
but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Do you want me to continue? No, I think... what is that through, through verse four through verse four? Yep. No, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's pretty good. And I think that's, uh, the, the first verse or two is where we, I think a lot of people, uh, get into trouble where it says submit to all authority. But I think if you right. read a little bit further down and I know Jason, we've talked about this on the podcast, um, yeah. that they're setting up some prerequisites as well that, uh, yes, God has established governments and they're under his authority, but they're there to protect the righteous and to exact out a measure of justice and to show justice and repercussions and consequence to evildoers. So I think the line then becomes, if the government is not doing that, do we still have a mandate in the Bible to obey what the government says? Even if it isn't, um, I don't know, exactly you know, going against the Word of God or, or uh, coming up against it in a direct way, if it's indirectly not serving justice, is that a, is that a government that we can still obey and should we, you know, submit under? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, for me, um, I just think anything that goes against, um, our Christian, uh, beliefs would be something that, uh, I do not have to submit to. Um, no, I don't agree with killing babies. Um, so, you know, I will fight against that. Right. Um, so I guess, I guess it, it just depends on what we're talking about. If it's a mask mandate, I mean, is it is it uh, really infringing or is it just kind of something that's uncomfortable? It, it sucks, you know, <clears throat> or um, do I have to do it um, just because the government told me to? Now, same thing with vaccines. They're saying if we can't, you know, if a certain state says, hey, you have to have a uh um, I don't know, a letter or a, a, a bracelet or whatever they're talking about now, a passport, um, vaccine passport to get no. in. Yeah. To get into our state. I mean, you know, what, where, does where does all that go? You know, um, I guess I'm not going to, uh, to, uh, Minnesota anymore, I guess, you know, cause I will not get the vaccine, Right. but that's just me. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, so I, I guess it just depends on what we're, you know, where, no, that's a good know, point. Where we're going with that. That's a good point. I think the distinction I was trying to make is if it's a governmental authority that's trying to have authority over the church. Does the government have authority over the church in cases like California, um, some places here in Michigan, uh, other states that say, hey, you can't gather to worship, you have to wear a mask, you can't open your mouth and sing uh, worship or psalms or songs. Does the government have authority over the church? And I would say I probably lean more towards no, according to Romans 13. And I saw yeah. Stephen just jumped in here a little bit ago. Stephen, if you want to come up as a speaker too and give your thoughts, Stephen has been on since the very first one. This is our third one. So um, I appreciate Stephen jumping in again too. But uh, so I have a little background on Stephen as well. Stephen, did you have a thought on Romans 13 or where the government's uh, authority uh, begins and ends with the church? Uh, you bring me up to ask me a pretty loaded, <laughs> massive question right there. It's just an easy question. It's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's why I'm just kind of jumping into the discussion here, and I want to hear what uh, you guys say about it. I guess a little bit, though, uh, I am in California um, under all these these uh, rules, and not just California, but 
Santa Clara County here in Silicon Valley, which has been the strictest county, I believe, in the entire nation for um, they haven't allowed and they still don't want to allow churches to gather uh, at any capacity, uh, not even reduced capacity. Wow. Um, so interesting things have been going on here. Yeah, you know, you know, we're wound pretty tight when even our own governor and our own state um, is trying to put pressure on the county for being too strict. But uh, yeah, I mean, where do you draw the line? It's, it's tough to say, you know, if it's a pandemic where, you know, or you remember a year ago when all this started, everyone was saying, oh, two weeks to flatten the curve, whatever, you know, this and that, the shorter time frames. Um, I can see in the interest of public health, truly, um, you know, suspending services for a time or something like that. Sure. But obviously now that we're a year plus into that, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, if you're watching, you know, a church can not meet for a few weeks in an emergency, but, you know, watching via Zoom for a year, that's not church, right? So right. It's, it's a tough question. Like, at what point does the government cross the line and uh, abuse their authority? Yeah, for me, it's, uh, you know, versus three and four in Romans 13, uh, because Paul is making a point that God's instituted government uh, to bring judgment to those who do evil. And he says, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. And I would say the definition of right and wrong there is what we're going to squabble over as believers. Um, and my original question was, you know, when you have a government that has murdered 60 million, well, a government that allows uh, the murder of, of 60 million innocent lives in the womb that uh, has um, unconstitutionally, uh, you know, dropped bombs and murdered uh, people around the world uh, in the name of well, in the name of peace, but more it's in global economics. I mean, I don't want to get too political here, but we do a lot of things as a nation uh, that, um, you know, do, do not adhere or line up to the word of God. And then, you know, at the end of our speeches, our politicians say, God bless America. And I don't know if uh, God really likes lip service. In fact, I, I think there's a couple scriptures about that uh, that that will say, hey, look at, I'd rather you be uh, cold uh, than lukewarm than say one thing out of one side of your mouth and, and then do another uh, because I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth is the imagery that he uses there. Uh, because I believe it goes against the first commandment, which is taking the Lord's name in vain, um, which most people think, you know, that means, oh, I can't say God damn as a Christian. Well, I, I, would, I would say don't say that anyway. But what he's talking about there is not to blaspheme the character and the attributes of God. And when we uh, say one thing and then do another, and those actions don't line up with the character, holiness, and attributes of God, well, that's that's being blaspheming his name. And I think we do that as a country and as a government. So for me, I, I think it's edging more towards that point. Um, I would say, you know, for the guys like John MacArthur, uh, who, who in California stood up and said, no, we're not going to hold church. You know, we are going to hold church services. We're not going to comply to that. Um, to Pastor James Coates in Alberta, uh, I would stand with them and say, look, at if you want to mandate, a, you know, a mask mandate or a social distance mandate for the public, uh, and, you know, and I'm against it for private businesses, but that's a whole nother discussion for the public, I, I would put on a mask and I would grumble the whole time and disagree with it. But I don't know if that's something I can rise up against biblically and say, you know, when, when I'm in public tax paid taxpayer streets, uh, you know, Christians unite because I'm wearing a mask. We can say it's wrong and we can say it's unconstitutional and all those things. But when they start having uh, authority over the church, when they can meet, how they can meet, 
uh, where they can meet, I think that becomes a real issue. And I think we saw that in the real church too, because you had a government, Rome, who had Christianity outlawed. They met in secret. They met underground. They met in houses and in, in uh, you know uh, stables and barns and anywhere they could meet. So I feel from that aspect, for me personally, when they start to try to have authority over Christ's church, I think that's where the real issue comes in for me. Anyone else? Hey, I- yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to chime in real quick. I'm sorry, while, while, I, while I got some quiet kids and uh, yeah, what's stories, up, I'm just going to put it back. Yeah, uh, first of all, great to meet you. I'm glad you guys are doing this. Uh, I've been looking at some of these other rooms and it seemed to be kind of charismatic chaos and so forth. And so uh, I'm glad to have a, uh, that there's a, uh, that's a, that there's a platform like this. Hopefully my, uh, my connection is pretty good. But one of the things I was going to say, like, it seems to me that, it, it, and I'm open to correction on this, that, you know, when you look at Romans, one of the things I always tell people, when you study a Romans, you got to study it for the type of writing that it is. It's a letter, right? And so chapter 13 was made for our convenience. You know, like, thir- like the fact that it was a chapter was made for our convenience. But, but, uh, go ahead and lay it out, baby. But, you know, you got to think about what came before that. And I think like before that, if I, I don't have it open in front of me, but if I recall correctly, it's chapter 12 where it's talking about the marks of a true Christian and like how we live with people and how we live peaceably. And then I, and if I'm not mistaken, the way that it ends, it talks about how vengeance belongs to uh, the Lord. And so it goes into this thing about authorities. And I feel like this particular portion is saying like, hey, like, you know, there's laws in the land when it comes to uh, corporal punishment when somebody does you wrong and it's not your place to go off and go seek. Uh, seek it's not your place. It's not your place to go out and go seek vengeance and justice. And that. And then having said that, we get into this conversation about the authorities who uh, who, ha- who who has laws in place to take care of those who break the law. And so I think the context of that is, isn't so much, hey, do what the government tells you to do, but rather that, hey, the government has laws governing when people do wrong by other people, when people do something that results into uh that 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 uh that's that's deserving of some type of a punishment. It's the government who does that and we should go ahead and let the government do that when they're doing that rightly. I don't think it's telling us I mean, and again I'm open to correction on this. Um I don't think it I don't think that it's saying that hey, um if they tell you to stop assembly you know, like 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 you know to to the extent that some people are saying that they say, Hey, don't assemble, then don't assemble. I don't think that's I don't think that's the message that that, that text was saying. And the and, you know, and there are certain things that I think that the government you know, like how broke clocks are right twice a day. They may say, <laughs> "Hey, yeah, you know, like like they 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 do get some things right when they say, hey, you shouldn't murder,' you know, because they they're they're, they're mimicking God when they say that." And then, but on the flip side, if they say, you know, if they if they tell us something that that goes against, if, you know, if they tell us to support something, like if they come and say, hey, you know what, it's the law now, you have to marry a gay couple if they come to you, then no, uh, we don't submit to that because that goes against the uh that goes against what we believe as Christians. It goes against God's standard. It goes against His design for marriage. You so like like of course we would we would stand against that. We would not submit and obey that because of, because the laws of the land says that. So again, I'm open to correction on if 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 I'm wrong and. Uh, and how I'm uh, reading that passage, uh, but that that that's that's uh that's kind of how I'm understanding it. No, that's a really good distinction and ap- absolutely correct. I mean, that's great biblical hermeneutics, right? I mean, read it in context. Uh, there was no chapter and verse when Paul was re- uh, penning this, so you're absolutely right that twelve uh, is talking about that and goes and goes right into chapter thirteen. The reason I started at thirteen is is that's where everyone just jumps to when we're talking about. These, um, you know, not being able to assemble and mask mandates and things like that. And absolutely, the, gov- the the government has been established by God to carry out His justice here on earth. I 
mean, it says so much, right? And I think it, I think it would be good for us too to to make a distinction that just because something is legal doesn't mean it's moral. We've had lots of legal things in this country that were not moral and not godly. Uh, and not biblical. Uh, so I think you make a really good point when you say, you know, just because it's legal under the government, and I think that's kind of the greater point I was getting to as well, was you have uh, Paul saying in verses thir- uh, four and five in, in chapter uh, 13, he makes the assumption that the government is there to serve justice to evildoers and to protect the innocent. But when you have a governing body that is starting to uh, morph those two to call evil good and good evil, that's where it becomes a sticky situation, I think, for Bible-believing Christians. Uh, and, and then it becomes, okay, the, the big arguments are, are we, uh, are, are we soldiers in God's army, or are we pacifists on the hill with Christ listening to him preach? And I don't know if it's really that extreme. I think it's a little of both. But I think we have to pick our battles, so to speak, sorry for the pun, um, on what we are and aren't going to allow. And I think the Bible has to be that dividing line for us. But that's a, that's a really good point, uh, T, and I appreciate you jumping on tonight as well. For anyone that's in the room right now, just so you know, uh, this is a recorded room. Um, uh, Jason and I do host a podcast, Dead Men Walking Podcast. And if any of you uh, have any subjects or questions or want to comment on that, feel free to raise your hand. We'll bring you up. You're more than welcome to speak. This isn't uh, anything official. Uh, I really started this room just because I didn't see anything like it on Clubhouse. And I love talking to other like-minded believers that like to sharpen iron with iron. And I didn't see that in Clubhouse. Clubhouse. So that's how this room got started. But um, Jason, do you got anything to uh, add to that? Uh, the only the only thing that I kept thinking about while we're talking about Romans 13 was the time that Paul wrote it. Um, Nero was actually being a good boy around that time. So, you yeah. know, uh, listening to the authorities um, around that time that he wrote it uh, was probably easier to pen than uh, at other times. But you know, I mean, I'm sure somebody else might have some something to add to that, but but that's uh, that's what I've read I, uh, I about think, the history of it. Go ahead, Stephen. Yeah. Um, now, if uh, you guys remember, uh, Peter says something very similar in his first letter. I think it's chapter two. He has a little section on submission to authority, and he says a lot of the similar things, you know, about governors sent by God to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good, and all this kind of stuff. And he also says, um, let me look it up here. He's like, uh, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So very much the same kind of language. And uh, I'm going to have to look up my history of where that was, what was going on in the Roman Empire. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, things were bad at that point, right? I think by then, um, you know, they were getting into the emperor. I, I don't know who it was at the time, but was getting into all kinds of shenanigans and there was persecution going on. Um, so, I mean, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, Peter was there saying the same thing that Paul did in Romans 13, and it was under the environment of unjust rulers. Sure. And to add to that, I think Paul had uh, even been in prison a few times. Um, up to that point, and had used his Roman citizenship as his kind of, not get out of jail free card, but used the legal system to his advantage uh, when he said, look, you can't jail a Roman citizen 
I'm a Roman citizen and I have rights. So I think Jason is correct in saying the persecution was really ramping up about 100 AD, I think, if my history is correct. And like I said, I'm open to correction on that. But just from what I remember reading, and not an early church historian by any uh, means. Would it, would it have been more around 68? 68, 68 to, yeah, to 100. To, yeah, right right around, well, to 70, well, I mean, you, 70 AD. You have 70 the temple, AD yeah. was, the, was the big, big mama. So, yeah. But yeah. So, so I think, St- so I think Stephen's on the right track too. I think you guys both make good points that, uh, you know, either way, pa- Paul was, uh, aware that there was an emperor, that there was governments, uh, over them that, uh, that, uh, governments could do, you know, could do evil and wrong and, and could be tyrannical. But at the same point, I don't think that takes away from verses three, four, and five, where he makes the assumption of what the role of godly government is, you know, nowhere in those verses is he saying, look at, uh, God instituted those, you know, this is what, uh, T Barlow, uh, p- touched on, um, you know, God instituted those governments. So therefore we have to do whatever they say. He, he it's a prerequisite or, you know, he prefaces it with saying that, you know, the, uh, the, excuse me, someone's walking by over here. The, <laughs> sorry, the, uh, you know, the, the government's, uh, godly government that's set up is there to bring justice to evildoers and protect the righteous. And for me, it's when a government becomes unrighteous. And like I said earlier in the room, uh, we have a lot of examples of our government acting unrighteously. Uh, and when I say unrighteously, I'm using uh, the word of God as the you know the dividing line to to measure that up against. So for me, that's where it gets it it gets sticky in Romans thirteen because then we have to say, well, what is it that the church stands up against when a government is not properly fulfilling its role as God has instituted it? I, I don't know if I read Romans thirteen and see one hundred percent submission to a government at all times. I mean, does anyone else read it that way or have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I definitely don't uh, believe that that's the case. Um, I mean, because it, it doesn't seem consistent with what we see throughout scripture. Right. You know, I think there's always been like that. There's always been that healthy level of respect for leaders uh, and so forth. Even when they weren't, even when they weren't like, even if you look at like the three Hebrew boys, um, and, uh, you know, and, and Nebuchadnezzar, you know, like they was like, they didn't, you know, they were still respectful. They wouldn't call Nebuchadnezzar names or anything like that, that nature. But they say, hey, listen, we're not going to bow to you. Listen, you're a king. Respect your kingship and all of the jazz. But, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not going to bow to, to, to this image because we have, we serve God. Like, this is what we're going to do. And, and so it's like, there's this healthy respect, you know, but at the same time, there's this righteous, uh, there's this righteous defiance because it's like, yeah, you, you're wanting me to do something against uh, the God of creation all for you, for, you know, some, at, at, you know, based upon some laws and decree that you made. So I think scripture is, is crystal that it's not about doing whatever uh, the government says. But then at the same time, it's also not about being uh, disrespectful. It's like it's not saying like, hey, we don't we don't, um, you know, like 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 we're not called to to mock uh, ridicule or clown our leaders or anything like that. We still show them a healthy level of respect for the position that they hold. And then, and then outside of that, it it you know like yeah no nah, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not succumbing to your to your unrighteous decrees I'm not I'm not yeah, I'm not following that I'm not no and, and you know and and bottom line it's like you can put me in whatever furnace you want my God's gonna deliver me from you and even if he doesn't let it be known I'm not gonna bow to you or anything that looks like you you know and so forth and and so and, that, and that's our declaration um, and so I think that Amen. 
I think it's I think at times it's hard to for for a lot of folks to I think like in this particular case like I, I think I think I, th- I think what happened was it, it, and, it, and it was so weird like because for example let me take my, my my our 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 church for example we haven't we haven't met physically um, since last year now we have a small congregation predominantly older people but we do and we don't do they, they, we don't do live streams or, or or zooms because most of our older people don't really know how to use those things but conference calls faithfully conference calls on on Wednesdays. And on Sundays they do they still do like the Sunday school we still do the Sunday school and still have like our morning service they're still like singing it's like it's like we're together uh, but we can but we don't meet physically and and I think that was good for our congregation uh, because of the, the type of population that we have we probably have about like somewhere between like at, at, at a max on a good Sunday up to probably about twenty five people that will show up right right but like I said most of them predominantly older people. And I, I, I gotta say, man, praise God! Like none of my, none of our congregants have gotten sick in this past year. Uh, not, not, no, nobody in our family has had a had, had suffered from COVID. All the people who I know who suffered from COVID were people from other congregations. The people actually, in all honesty, not to be funny or not to be crass, from like other families, you know. Um, and and we're getting ready to go to go back into the service now in a place to where we feel like, hey, that's right for our congregation. Now, when it comes to churches who did continue to meet, I didn't think that they were doing anything wrong either. I don't. I I I, I think the fellowship is important, and we do miss each other. And I think like in in all of this, we realize the importance of of a, of of have, having fellowship. Like we miss being able to sit down and eat together. We miss being able to shake hands and hug. You know. Uh, in the meantime. We did what we thought was right for our congregation, not necessarily based on any government decree. It wasn't like, hey, the government said we can't, so here we are. It's really more so like, hey, this is what we think it's safe uh, because because of what we see here in Omaha. I mean, like like when they hear the news, they believe that, hey, you know, I guess, you know, I, my, my congregants take, take news at face value. I'm the type of person I don't. But like when we see all of these numbers about how many, so many cases and so forth, again, with, 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 with those cases, if those if those numbers were true, the fact that nobody in my congregation uh, has been was was affected by this virus at all, again, like that's a blessing. And, and but and, but again, we missed the fellowship. We can't wait to get back to the fellowship. But it wasn't because of a fear of government that we didn't do it. It was because we thought that that was right for our congregation. And then there were other folks who said, "Hey, you know what? Like I'm convicted by this. I need to make sure that we're meeting." And, and I, again, I'm not against that. I'm glad. Maybe I need to please lay down. You supposed you supposed to be in the bed. Um. You know, they were, you know, folks who, who chose to meet. I don't think, again, I don't think that they were being reckless. I don't think that they were being uncaring of the congregation. I think that they had that, that everybody who chose to meet had a different focus. And that's fine, too. And I, and I think for me, what the problem was, was when we as Christians began to began to kind of like count each other out based upon based upon whatever decision was made for our congregation. And then now we see this division that that kind of comes in within the body of Christ over over this issue that um, I mean, and, and I want to make sure I'm not underplaying it because again, I really, I really believe in the importance of fellowship, um, and I think that there's a difference between like watching something live every Sunday for a year as opposed to actually interacting with people. For sure, and you know, and whereas we kept, whereas we kept the interaction, we were like, hey, we're still fellowshipping. We just, we just can't do it in person. We just don't. You know, we just don't think it's safe to do it in person right now, but we're still making sure we're in contact. We're we're, uh, we're still praying together. We're still talking together. We're still doing our lessons together. We're still preaching every Sunday. We're listening to the preaching and we're still responding. I mean, like, you know, we still have our, that was that worked for us, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so when it comes to, uh, 
but you know, at, when and when it comes to other congregations, to other congregations who say like, "Hey, you know what? We're going to meet." I think that's perfectly fine. You have you have some Christian liberty to still meet, but for a church to say, "Hey, the government said we got to stop, so we're going to stop," and then we're not going to do it until the government tells us to go. At that point, it's like you're not doing what you think is what I think. You know, and, and hopefully I'm not judging you wrong. It's like you're not doing what you think is best for you. You're doing you you you. It's like you're blindly following. You probably like following with the wrong uh, definition of Romans 13 in mind. For yeah, example. yeah, and I, I think, think that like you know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, so, again, it, it I'm totally all, does. I'm always up for correction on that. No, it, I, I'd like to share some thoughts on, on this topic. Uh, sure, David. Go ahead. Romans 13. Thanks, guys. Well, first of all, uh, very very happy to find a, a group like this on clubhouse and uh, i am a, a big history buff and have been on a big kick recently reading all about colonial america and french revolution all this kind of stuff and it got me thinking that every christian you know like w- we can have these practical conversations but every christian needs to ask themselves if blindly obeying a government is what god wants us to do because you know you can point to times in history where soldiers have been conscripted into armies and commanded by law to commit atrocities uh, against fellow Christians and against, you know, innocent people in general. And I don't think any one of us would say that uh, Romans 13 means that you need to go along with that. I mean, we would all be justified standing before God at the throne of judgment, uh, explaining ourselves uh, and our decision to you know, not obey orders in that situation. Um, and likewise, I do believe that governments exist to punish evil doing, as Paul says, but they also lose their divine authority to govern um, when they fail to do those things or when they fall to corruption. And we probably are seeing some of that in the United States, as you've mentioned. I mean, this country and this culture is becoming increasingly hostile to to the church and to God's word and God's law. And uh, we may see some sort of political upheaval as a result of that. I do not think that, um, you know, revolting or anything like that is okay at all. I think that Paul would definitely uh, preach preach against that. Um, But, you know, then at the same time, governments do lose their divine authority at a certain point. I think that one of the reasons that the Christians who settled in colonial America decided that they had had enough and it was time for them to declare independence. Um, One of the many reasons was that the British government and the colonial authorities were telling pastors what they could and could not preach locally. And, uh, you know, they may have the legal authority to do that. But, you know, I think any pastor who was living in, you know, colonial Virginia at the time would would have been justified before God in continuing to preach anyway, uh, so long as he was, you know, preaching God's word. But anyway, that's just some historical context and thoughts for y'all. No, that's a really good point. I mean, I think it comes down to, and to go back really quick to what uh, T. Barlow was saying, uh, you know, I think those are two different issues, in my opinion, when you're talking about a church that's uh, kind of self-censoring, I think that that's not really the right uh, word for it, uh, versus just... Uh, blindly obeying a government mandate that is ungodly. Um, you know, I, I have much lesser issue with the church saying, look, at we we have mostly older congregants. We think for their safety, it would be best if we, you know, reroute our services or try something different or do something in the house with fewer people. You know, I think there's a, a biblical argument for that and a pretty good one. Uh, what I think is a totally different issue is uh, the Daniel issue. You know, I, I saw a meme on the internet a few weeks ago and I said, man, if Daniel would have just, you know, turned away from the window or closed the 
door, uh, drawn the shades, he would have been fine. But he prayed out on the balcony with the windows open in defiance of the king. And I I think in Daniel's head, he he saw that he served the one and only true sovereign God and did not serve that government. And, And I think there is a time and place for the church, especially when you're talking about the ecclesiastical assembly of Christians, which the Bible talks very specifically about. Uh, that that is that is something unique and different that the government doesn't have authority over, in, in my opinion. And, and what I see happening is that the uh, the church culture or the gospel culture or the church in general is bowing to the secular culture uh, quicker and faster. But th- this isn't new. I mean, if if you went one hundred percent. If, if you went down to a church uh, up into the ni- early 1970s and even through separate but equal, okay, you would have Southern Baptist churches where you would walk in and whites were sitting on one side and blacks were sitting on the other while they're preaching biblical a biblical word saying there's no Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free. I mean, but yet they were following the culture and the laws of that time because the culture said separate but equal. The races have to be separate. And you had a biblical teaching church bowing to the culture instead of bowing to Christ the King and his word. And I just fear that this could just be the whole COVID thing, the mask, the can't assemble, can't you know worship or speak out loud in some services. This is just another example of that. And unfortunately, some churches have have really acquiesced to that quickly. Um, And once again, I'm not talking about what T was talking about, where they made a personal decision. I'm talking about, well, the state executive order, which um, if you're a constitutionalist, you can argue constitutionally against that, uh, says that we can't gather, therefore we can't gather. Well, I would like to see in the word of God where where any government has authority over Christ's church. And that's kind of where I land on that issue. That's a great point you bring up, Greg. And I think, again, you know, we can talk about these practical matters and these real examples, but every Christian and every pastor, every leader, every head of household needs to ask himself or herself, is there some line in the sand where this, where, you know, this is just ridiculous. And, you know, you, you do, you made a great point about Daniel. And that reminds me of our brothers and sisters in North Korea, mm. um, where, you know, it's illegal to ship Bibles in there, but Christians do it anyway, because they're following the true king's commandment, which is to spread the, the news of the gospel to the four corners of the earth. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, I think you provide a good context through which to look at these issues, but I seriously think that every Christian needs to start to wonder aloud and speak with each other and ask, you know, how how far will we let this go? Um, and, you know, on the point of bowing to the culture, I'll say just on a quick note, I was in a Facebook—I grew up in the Episcopal Church, uh, but— have probably spent more time around Presbyterian churches. And I was in an Anglican group on Facebook just just for fellowship purposes. And I got kicked out of the group for promoting the Bible. And I wasn't (laughs) fighting with anybody or anything. But I said that I didn't even say the word sola scriptura. But I said, you know, I think we should stick to the Bible on matters of theology. And I got paragraphs of responses from all these these Facebook Anglicans, um, you know, saying that how ridiculous this is and yada, yada. So, yeah, I mean, 100% the, the church is definitely um, 
infected with this uh, secular, you know, the sec- what the spirit of the age, as you may call it or whatever. And I'm sure that that's been a problem that's been around forever. But the biggest challenge that we that we have now is that so many people want to stick to their religions, traditions or whatever. And, uh, you know, a lot I, I would remind the Anglican buddies I had in there that the emerging traditions in that church are totally in contradiction of the Bible. For, for instance, I mean, there are Anglican churches that are performing gay marriages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what serious Christian can say that that jives with with God's Word, with the Bible. Uh, and then you get to the question of, you know, a lot of these people, frankly, just don't believe that the Bible is God's Word. So I believe we have to contend for the faith. We have to stick to the Bible and contend for the, the fact that it is God's Word. And, you know, I believe that in examining that in prayer, we'll arrive at the correct decision or the correct um orientation upon ourselves when when dealing with these questions and these issues. But people have got to ask themselves these questions because, you know, if they don't, they're just going to be sheep who go along for the slaughter. No, absolutely. That, that, a that's thoughts. a great point. Sure. So I'm still, I've been in the gym listening and I'm still trying to work out in my head um, my thoughts on all of this. Um, and I kind of had a, a couple ideas, maybe maybe from out in left field a little bit. Um, but so maybe I'll just share what I what 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 came to my mind, and then maybe Greg or whatever let let me know what you think about this. But um, as, as I'm trying to work it out uh, in real time, but it seems it seems like um, especially for the Old Testament, there's a, there's always like a reoccurring themes where things become very circular, um, and it seems like. There was a reoccurring um, sort of dominance over um, the Israelites, um, which was uh, they wouldn't listen to God, and then they become captive, and another another nation would rule over them, and then they'd realize after so many years it must have been something we did. They finally, after so many generations, they finally realized we messed up. We didn't follow God. We didn't do the things we were supposed to do. We didn't teach our children. You know, blah blah blah. And then things were good for a while. Then they would slack. And then they would be oppressed by another nation. And then hard times would happen. And then they would realize, oh, my gosh, it must have been something we've done. And we haven't followed God and his ways. And this was like constantly ongoing. So it seems to it. The, the thing that comes to my head is that the theme is it's very easy to look at the oppression and go, well, where's the line? When, when do you put your foot down? When it seems the real circular theme is we wouldn't be in the oppressive state in the first place had we not falsified ourselves and our character to get us to the point in the first place. So there's this, and, and I hope that doesn't sound crazy, um, but there's there's this idea where um, a lot of the analysts have looked at um, the Cold War and looked at um, Germany and the Weimar Republic, and um, there's this false idea where like you have these um, very charismatic rulers come, and the false idea is that the charismatic ruler shows up and just brainwashes the country, and the analysts say that that actually that that's not how it works, and what what. What has to happen for a, a, a brainwashing uh, figure, charismatic figure to show up is the people have to already be in a state where they falsified their character and value. So basically where the people are prime picking for the ruler to show up and cause bad things to happen. And so there's the idea is like I, even in the Cold War, they said that one in three people um, was a government informant, which means if you had a family of uh, six. Uh, two of your siblings or parents would have been a government informant. And you don't, that doesn't just happen. 
There right. has to be years and decades of falsification of, of character and values for, for that to happen. So it isn't like the, the charismatic leader took over and then the government's bad and we just have to figure out where do we draw the line. I think the, the theme is to look inward and go and start with ourselves first, which is sort of the kind of the Peterson take on it. Um, but that, that, that keeps coming up to my head. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And, and I kind of uh, do that, uh, been doing that for the last 10 years or so. Uh, when talking to other believers and saying it's uh, the reason we're in the situation is because of the Western Christian church. And I get a lot of sideways looks and, oh, you're just a big meanie and God says, don't judge. And all those things that, um, you know, that are becoming very popular now in the woke progressive Christian movement. But you do have to introspect and say, you know, there's a popular saying that uh, says we get the politicians that we deserve, right? We get the leaders that we deserve. And I think that's kind of what you're saying as well, too. And it is a good correlation of uh, the Old Testament. I mean, the Israelites had to have prophet after prophet after judge after prophet sent to them uh, to tell them to turn from their ways. This is what you did. The, the, the Lord, your God is not pleased with this. And they did have to kind of introspect and go, oh, this is what this is what we did. And we need to turn from those ways. So I think, yeah, I think maybe Davey was talking about a micro and uh, or maybe even a macro. And you're kind of maybe talking the micro that it starts with us introspecting and saying, well, how did we allow uh, the Christian church to get in this predicament in the first place or be in this position? Unfortunately, I feel, especially uh, over the last three to four years, especially, uh, that that we have uh, so-called Bible-believing Christians, which I'll touch on a Ligonier national survey that they did earlier this year that was just mind-blowing, uh, that are not only not introspecting, but are full-fledged ahead saying, uh, yeah, we agree with this, uh, this is what's best, and kind of just throw uh, you know, sola scriptura to the wayside. The Ligonier survey, uh, and it popped into my head when Davey was talking, was they every year Ligonier will do a survey of 10,000 uh, church-going Christians, and 86% of them said they were Bible-believing Christians. And out of that 86%, 63% said they did not believe that the Bible was the infallible Word of God. So you have 85% saying they're Bible-believing, and 63% of them, so I don't know, do the math on there, almost half of everyone surveyed did not believe that the Bible was the Word of God. So I say when uh, you have half of the believing church or of those surveyed, and I don't know if that's the, you know, nationally, if that would be the same percentage, but even if it's 25%, even if it's one in four that say, uh, yeah, you know, Bible, not the word of God, uh, you know, not infallible, uh, you know, all these things. Wow. We have a real problem then, uh, with the Western Christian church. And, and from that aspect, I say, well, there needs to be some type of reformation that needs to take place. But yeah, that's a that's a really good point, Jordan. I think I'm always for introspecting and taking personal responsibility, whether it be in the business that I own, uh, the family uh, that I'm the head of, uh, you know, my faith, whatever it is. It's like, no, I have to take responsibility and start with me. And I would argue Christ even kind of made that argument as well, too. All his parables were very personal responsibility, uh, you know, minded in the way of you have to do this. You're commanded to do that. Um, Don't worry about what these people are doing. You know, do this over here because you've heard it said, you have read. So uh, I think that's a really good point. But uh, we got about 15 minutes left in the room. Did we have anyone else that wanted to change gears or talk about something else? I know we've uh, we've gone, geez, 45 minutes straight on kind of the Romans 13. But that's the great thing about Clubhouse is you can get on a subject and uh, you can jump all over the place. 
But uh, Jason, you haven't said anything in a while. You want to say anything before you? Uh, oh, we have uh, Demi coming. But Jason, uh, oh. go ahead and uh, oh yeah, put let, your two cents in, or, yeah, or if let, you want to hand it over to Demi. Yeah, let let Demi go ahead. Let Demi go ahead. Hey Demi, how you doing? Hi guys, good. Hi guys. Hey. I don't have a specific topic I want to um, talk about. I just want to say thank you for uh, creating this club on Clubhouse. I was just like, see, I was looking through Christian clubs and saw some that I was like, uh, I don't know about this. So it's really great to see one that's reformed. And you know, like they say, if you don't, if you want something, you don't see it, you make your own. So um, <laughs> thanks so much for doing this, guys. And I, uh, it led me to your podcast too, Dead Man Walking. Love that title. And I was uh, listening to um, those those five minute topics throughout the day. So it's pretty cool. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Oh, very, really very cool. Good and thank thing. you for the compliment. Demi, where are you uh, clubhousing yeah. from? Where Where are you at? Are you in the United States? What state are you in? Yeah, I'm from Sacramento, California. Oh, we have two two Californians in here tonight. Wow. Hey, Northern California. What's up? <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up? <laughs> I, uh, I attend uh, City Bible Church in Sacramento. Awesome. Well, so cool to hear from the West Coast. A um, little earlier there than it is here, but uh, maybe not quite after dark for you. But uh, <laughs> here in Michigan, which is where Jason and I, and I think Jordan as well is from, uh, yeah, this is the... This is the after dark crowd. I don't know. But going into June or July, it might not be quite dark at nine o'clock, but right now it is. But yeah, thanks, Demi, for jumping on and listening. And hey, invite some friends too. anyone that you know that uh, would want to jump on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard. This is kind of what the room is going to be. I really like to try to keep it open format and discussional and conversational. I've been in some rooms before where it's just kind of question, answer, question, answer. That's fine if you want to ask questions. But I really, uh, my personality really is, I, I love hearing other people talk passionately and intelligently about other subjects. That's why I'm a huge consumer of podcasts and obviously, uh, you, you know, videos online and things like that. So, I really appreciate you jumping on and yeah, make sure you guys uh, tell a friend that you think might uh, enjoy it or participating in it too. But yeah, what, sounds good. We'll do. What did you have for us, Jason? Did you want to uh, jump in there since you had, uh, uh, is, is, yeah, is the yeah, little one down? I mean, J- Jason's a new father, a year and a half. Yeah, old, so. yeah. She, <laughs> yeah, she, she down? went down a little bit ago awesome. for now. Um, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's got a little bit of a stuffy nose right now. That's hard to watch a, a year old, you know, going through, you know, it's like, oh my you, gosh, you big softy, you know, I know, I know, got himself I'm, a little I'm that daughter. guy, man, She's I know, her on, I, I don't her want finger. her to be hurting at all, you know, <laughs> but right. uh, no, the, something, something that I was uh, thinking about while we were talking about all this stuff was just uh, uh, how we could include the separation of church and state, you know, um, uh, I think a lot of times as Christians, we're just pretty much to t- told to like, keep to ourselves. We're not allowed to speak. We're not allowed to have any kind of, uh, opinion, you know, added to the public square. You know, I think, uh, we were talking about it actually when we recorded with Glenn Sunshine this week. And if you guys, uh, don't know who Glenn Sunshine is, please, please, please look up Glenn Sunshine. Yeah. Hidden gem. Uh, theology, theology, podcast, yeah, historian. uh, uh CR Wiley, and uh mark price i want to say yeah. um but man it's so it's so good um some great subjects but uh but yeah i don't know if we can uh go into a little bit of uh separation of church and state and just i mean how you know we uh we are allowed to have an opinion we are allowed to have a voice it's not that we're uh well i mean what then again i mean i you know 
sometimes we do have to go out there with signs. Sometimes we do have to go out there and, and yeah. protest, you know, there, there are times, I mean, uh, you know, so, but anyway, what, what are the, what are the thoughts on that guys? Well, Anybody? You are definitely getting me all, uh, riled up over here, man. Like I can hear it in your voice. You're getting passionate when you talk about this. Well, look at well, da- good. Da- Davey. Yeah. Davey is, uh, he likes history. So he, he'll like this fun fact. And he probably Take already that. knows it, that separate separation of church and state appears nowhere in our founding documents. It's actually found in a letter that Jefferson penned had nothing to do uh, with what the progressive left want to tell you. It means there's nowhere in our founding documents, the term separation of church and state, but Davey it sounded like you want to say something. You want to jump in on that one? Yes. Well, you know, I on that on that note, um, I feel a need to kind of reclaim my birthright as an American Christian because I, I'm pretty into uh, genealogy and history and family history, learning about all this stuff. And I have ancestors who moved here 400 years ago from England, and they were Christians seeking religious freedom and economic opportunity, and some of them were serving the crown. And uh, you know, we certainly know that there were people who were taken here against their will. Um, and, and that is, you know, certainly a dark history at the beginning of this country. Founding, there's no question about that. But the shining light has been the, the church on this continent. And think of how many people have been saved as a result of those Christians coming here. I mean, America for a long time was probably the largest, um, most vocal, most active Christian country in the world. And it's only in the last few decades that it's gone totally off the rails. But, uh, yeah, I definitely believe we need to stand up. And um, for those of you who have, you know, personal roots in in your family going back uh, to the Christian origins of this country, you know, I hope you would take a personal pride in that and um, and fight for the the legacy of your ancestors who came here seeking to spread the word and um, and have a good life as Christian men and women. I also wanted to share um, from Second Timothy. Uh, we are instructed in Second Timothy four two: preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And then he prophesies: for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they keep to themselves teachers having itching ears uh, and so I'm that's a piece of scripture many of you are probably familiar with um, but I think it's just I, I, I it's impossible for me to know what was going on in the church in history other than what documentation we have I imagine that's a problem that's been going on the entire time uh, just given our sinful fallen nature but uh, it's certainly a major problem in the church today and you know I myself can say that uh, when I was in college and living in rebellion not close to God you know I was looking for it's for teachers uh, teaching me you know that what I was doing was okay but deep down I knew that it was not okay. And uh, what what got me back on a good page with God was believing His Word, not just reading His Word, but believing His Word. And it, you know, totally changed me and brought me back to know Christ uh, as I had when I was a child. And I'm so thankful for that. But it's the simplest thing. All we have to do is believe. Um, but you know, that's the part that so many people struggle with. But we have to stick to it and and preach the word with sound doctrine. Yeah. No, amen. That's good. And uh, always love when someone uh, reads a little scripture here in the uh, clubhouse. But Jason, you're absolutely right. I would say uh, probably about 25 minutes into our latest episode with Glenn Sunshine, we actually asked him about the founding fathers. He's a historian, theologian, and professor, and just said, look, 
where do people get this idea that the founding fathers weren't believers, uh, didn't have Christian morals? Um, you know, some claim, oh, they were just deists or this or that. And he has a really good response to that as well, too. And, and maybe I'll just tease that out there and you guys can listen to that. Uh, but he goes into a little bit of separation of church and state and, uh, you know, basically calling out the falsehood that most of our founding fathers had some type of foundation, uh, not only with a biblical worldview, but a Christian moral view as well. And I think that's pretty self-evident when you read quotes and letters and things like that from the founding fathers. Now, all through uh, this country's founding, we had all kinds of compromises. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that it was a fight to get uh, all men created equal in our declaration. Uh, And they wanted, uh, you know, guys like Jefferson and Madison and Adams wanted much more stronger language in there. Uh, but economically, and to be able to get it ratified, they had to remove some of that. So it's kind of strange when I'm a pretty black and white kind of extreme person. When you look at the history of that, there have been a lot of compromises from this founding of a group of people saying, look at, this is where we want to be, but we can't get there right now. And they actually made almost a political compromise in language because you have guys like James Monroe and uh, Thomas Jefferson who advocated for abolitionism with slavery, but held slaves. Uh, and you go, how is that contradiction? Uh, you know, and then you say, oh, well, they were Christian or, you know, had biblical morals and things like that. And I think that's where a lot of uh, uh, Christians get hung up when progressives or liberals or leftists uh, kind of bring those things up and say, look at, uh, they did these unmoral acts, but yet you're saying they had these uh, values. I would say there was a little bit of politics, uh, you know, mixed in with that. And Boy, I can't believe I'm bringing up politics with four minutes of the room left because that is a whole nother clubhouse uh, room all in its own. But um, I think we'll finish it up here. But I I did want to do this really quick. We've only got uh, we've got seven or eight people in here. If you feel comfortable, um, just with the people in here, give us a little. And, and I know we know where some of the people are from, but give us a little bit. Uh, you know, thirty seconds as we finish out here. Every person here that wants to speak, tell us where you're from. And even if you have a podcast or if you're doing something in business or you want to throw out a promo or anything, uh, yeah, let's let let's do it and let's support each other. So, Jordan, why don't we start with you and we'll go right down the line. Jordan must be on the treadmill. You still there? Yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm in the, I'm in the grocery store. Sorry. About that, Greg. <laughs> so, give us a little bit um, about where where you're uh, clubhousing from, and uh, you know, thirty second commercial about yourself if you want to throw anything out there. Okay, my name is Jordan uh, from Toledo, Ohio area, right on the border of Michigan and Ohio. Um, Basically, I'm a web developer and uh, I'm a mix engineer for a recording studio, basically a computer dork and a uh, preacher's kid. So this is the perfect spot for me. That's about it. Awesome. Jason, how about you, brother? Yo, yeah. Uh, Jason, I live in Monroe, Michigan. Um, I'm on a podcast called the Dead Men Walking Podcast. Check us out. Um, and uh, yeah. I'm a day trader. I trade stocks. That's what I do. Just quit Ford Motor Company. So, After anyway. seven yeah, long years, me. brother. I'm re- seven long years on the line, brother. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's that's where I became reformed too. After I started listening <laughs> to more and more reformed awesome. preaching. <laughs> T- amen. Amen. All T- right. Yep. T-, that's me. T. Barlow, give us a little shout out about where yep, you're T. Barlow, where you're at. Omaha, Nebraska. Uh oh, we're losing you there, brother. Yeah. Uh, T. Barlow, Omaha. Oh, my fault. Hold on. Let me see. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? 
Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we got cool. you. Yep, yep, yeah, All go right, ahead. Cool. All right, Steve Barlow, Omaha, Nebraska, uh, one of the founding members of the Bar Podcast. Uh, used to do uh, bars with Biblical Reform Spirits where I was in the group of uh, Christian artists. I myself am a Christian artist, but you can find me everywhere music gets streamed. I got a project coming out, man, so just be on the lookout, man. You can find me on Instagram at T-B-E-I-B-A-R-L-O-W. And uh, yeah, man, so I hope they're like, you know, Hope to gain some listeners from this. That'll be pretty dope. So we can uh, just Google T Barlow and some of your stuff will come up, or do we go to like uh, Apple or Bandcamp or Spotify? Where do we hear your music? All, all of the above. You Google, you can Google me, Spotify, Bandcamp, Amazon, Apple. All yeah, of that. I'm I'm on, I'm on there. I got stuff out here. I YouTube, love, all of that. I love it, Stephen. Give yourself a little thirty second shout out there. Who are we talking to? I am Stephen Plodnick, living in San Jose, California. My day job, I'm the graphic designer for the San Jose Earthquakes, which is the major league soccer team out here. Uh, so, yeah, pretty fun working in sports. Quite a challenge some of the time, uh, being in a very uh, secular and godless place in the Bay Area and also in the sports industry. But, uh, yeah, I'm a pastor's kid and missionary kid. I've lived in uh, Los Angeles, Connecticut, and South Africa, in addition to here in San Jose. And, uh, yeah, that's me. Awesome, Steve. And Davey, how about you, brother? Hey, y'all. Um, I am from Birmingham, Alabama. I'm 25 years old and graduated from the University of Alabama uh, with a business degree. And uh, my interests are mainly Christianity, economics, history, uh, investing, um, and then some business stuff, too. So uh, when I graduated, I moved to Los Angeles and lived there for a year um, working for a mortgage lender that lends to real estate investors. And I've been doing that for over two years now and uh, live in Atlanta currently working out of our branch down there. Um, but really enjoyed the conversation and always like connecting with people. And one comment I wanted to make on the, uh, the founding fathers and Christianity, I mean, most of them were Christians. Almost all of them were. But regardless, the people themselves who actually lived in the colonies, I mean, they were overwhelmingly Christian and overwhelmingly Protestant. Um, so, you know, that's our heritage as a nation. And it goes back to the very beginning. They were religious refugees, basically. Awesome. But praise God. Glad we all got connected. Absolutely. And Davey, if you're uh, around for the G3, G3 conference in uh, Atlanta, we're going to be live podcasting there. So maybe we will cross paths. I'll have to reach out to you. Demi, you're the last one on the speaker list. Give us a little 30 seconds of uh, who you are, where you're from, and what you're up to. Hey, guys. I'm from Sacramento, California. I'm 23, graduated from Sacramento. State in 2020 with a finance degree. I'm working at Merrill Lynch in the financial advisor program. So I'm learning and studying to be a financial advisor. So I love uh, learning about personal finance for myself and helping other people. Other than work, I love topics on God, theology, the gospel, you know, churches. Um, I found Reformed Theology last year and it felt like I was saved for the second time. Praise God. So, Amen. I'm about uh, yeah. to say something. <laughs> All oh, right. Go. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Demi. Yeah, that's finished? pretty much it. Go. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Go ahead, Ben. All right, Ben. Uh, ben has been sorry. listening the whole time. We just got him up here as a speaker. Why don't you uh, finish us out there, Ben? Yeah, sounds good. It's uh, It's been fun listening in. I really appreciate it. I'm out here in Alaska. I actually, the first time I raised my hand on one of these things, didn't realize I would be unmuted right away. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, this is this has been fun. And uh, I, I work in public policy. Uh, I do have a podcast as well, Archbridge Podcast. You can check that out. But uh, I look forward to dropping in and listening to some more of these conversations. Awesome, guys. And uh, I'm Greg Moore. I'm uh, 
live in Michigan. I'm a real estate broker, a county commissioner, a father of three, a husband to Samantha of 15 years this November, and uh, love talking about doctrine, theology, politics, everything that uh, your parents said not to bring up at the Thanksgiving dinner table. So I appreciate you guys jumping on here. Make sure you tell a friend, bring them in. We want to get as many people in here as possible so we can grow this, uh, so we can have uh, like I said, intelligent discussions, passionate passionate discussions, excuse me, about these things that we hold so dear. I appreciate you guys uh, coming in here. And if you want to listen to this recording as well, too, I'm going to talk to Jason about it, but I think we might start putting these up on the Dead Men Walking podcast feed as a clubhouse feed. So that little uh, symbol you see uh, underneath, uh, the little recording symbol, that does mean we are recording and uh, we might share those at some point in the future. I think it might be beneficial for people to just hear people talking uh, about God. And it's so awesome to see so many um, just intelligent, successful uh, business owners and, and influencers and people who are biblical Christians and are doing the work of the Lord and bringing glory to him. So guys, I'm going to jump out of the room. I appreciate you guys coming on for the hour and we'll be here every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tell your friends. Thanks guys. Have a good night. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.